It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is the Lockdown Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm back from my vacation, which means you get a five-minute intro from me today before Joe takes over, talking with the Locked On Raiders podcast for Crossover Wednesday as the Bengals go out to the black hole for, I guess, their last trip to Oakland before the team relocates to Las Vegas. It could be that another team will move into Oakland after the Raiders are gone. Insert joke here about the Bengals moving. But for all intents and purposes, this is the last time the Bengals will visit the black hole for the foreseeable future, and the Bengals have not fared well there, snapping a very long losing streak not too long ago, you might remember. So you'll get a little bit of a preview from Joe on that game later on. But first we're going to talk about a shakeup in the linebacker room. Roster turn finally starting here. Players not living up to expectations Preston Brown released today results in a 2019 dead cap hit for the Bengals of $4.3 million and a small savings of $370,000 for the rest of this year. For 2020, however, there's a $4.2 million cap saving on the Brown release. So this release from a financial perspective, just to start, does free up some money for 2020 against the cap. But you sit here and you wonder, who decided to re-sign Preston Brown and give him a three-year deal, only for him to be cut, not even playing out the first year of that deal. PFF ranked him as the 81st best linebacker out of 90 eligible linebackers with a certain minimum snap threshold, so that's not very good. But that's not to single out Preston Brown here. Jordan Evans, who's played only 31 defensive snaps, also has a grade at 52, pretty bad. Nick Vigil's 48.7, Preston Brown's 44.1. You already know where that ranks in the league. But behind him, Leroy Reynolds, who seems to continue to get on the field increasingly lately, especially in goal line situations, is even worse, 35.7. And Jermaine Pratt's rookie year not going very well, 37.5, with most of the damage for him coming in coverage. The thing you can say for Pratt is, I guess, he's a rookie. And he's tackling really well. We've talked about that before on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. He has vice grips for hands. And once he gets a hold of you, he's not letting go. So the unit on the whole has been very bad. Last year's third linebacker, Hardy Nickerson, still in the practice squad. Maybe he'll be called up to replace Preston Brown and just play out the rest of the year. But this room is going to need to be fully 100% overhauled 
in 2020 because none of these guys except Jermaine Pratt at this point can you really expect to come back to the team. Vigil's a free agent anyway. Jordan Evans has hardly gotten on the field with the linebackers being as bad as they are. You have to really wonder what's going on with him. I don't think this is necessarily a scheme thing. These guys have not played well their entire careers. Vigil has never lived up to his athletic numbers, has always had issues with tackling. This year's had issues in coverage as well. Jordan Evans, same thing, relatively athletic guy, not living up to that billing at all. Preston Brown, we knew, was slow the whole time. He's also tackled when he's gotten his hands on guys relatively well this year, but hasn't fought through traffic well, and the speed has been a major issue. So this linebacker room is an absolute mess. On Twitter, I took a look at the top eligible linebackers in free agency for 2020, just in case Mike Brown decides he wants to dabble and do some spending in the free agent market for a team that badly needs it, frankly. And the top guy going away is the Los Angeles Rams linebacker, Corey Littleton, who has been outstanding in coverage, outstanding as a tackler, has been good as a situational pass rusher. He hasn't been a great run defender, but honestly, you take that, especially with the way the Bengals linebackers have been exploited. This isn't all the linebackers, the players' fault, of course. They've been put in some very bad situations. They've been put one-on-one with very good tight ends, which I understand is something you want linebackers to do. But against guys like George Kittle and Mark Andrews, maybe give them a little bit of help. But they've also been manned up downfield with wide receivers a couple times. And again, this could just come down to they're not that good in coverage. So it feels ridiculous when this happens. But Jermaine Pratt running with a wide receiver against the Rams, against Josh Reynolds, like, that's ridiculous. And then you get Preston Brown trying to run down the seam with Mark Andrews, and that goes exactly as you would expect. So clearly, this team is finally acknowledging via release, via actions, that this linebacking core has not been up to snuff, and we'll see what the corresponding move is because they haven't made it yet. Vernon Hargreaves went on waivers. He was cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today, said to have some work ethic issues or clashing with the coaches, but that's a former first-round pick at corner. The Bengals are going to be really high up there, by which I mean first in the waiver order, so they'll have their first shot at Vernon Hargreaves if they're interested there in giving him a shot at redemption. Former Bengal Malik Jefferson was released by the Browns today as well. I don't see him necessarily coming back, but they do know him, and they do need a linebacker, so I guess you never really know. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, the, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHU 
BlueChew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. I just got back from a vacation. I've been traveling all day and I don't want to cook. We've talked about DoorDash on this show before. They're a great sponsor because they connect you to your favorite restaurants in the city. And I wish I was in Cincinnati right now because I'd be ordering up some Skyline from DoorDash immediately. I'm real hungry. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you no matter where you are. Your favorite pizza joints there, over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. United States and Canada, get your favorite meal delivered to you. Right now, the listeners of the Lockdown Bengals podcast can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more. Just go download that DoorDash app, enter promo code LOCKEDON with your order, and enjoy $5 off your first order. Again, to reiterate, that's the DoorDash app. Go get it on the App Store and enter promo code LOCKEDON for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. And we've got crossover on Wednesday again. It's that time. It comes quickly, doesn't it? We've got the Locked On Bengals, Locked On Raiders with Q Myers and Joe Goodberry here. And we'll kick it off first with the Raiders on offense versus the Bengals defense. Q, I got to say, the Raiders have surprised me this year. I think, uh, you know, they kind of snuck up on everyone after the turmoil in the offseason, especially with Antonio Brown. They quickly recovered, maybe even rallied around that, you may say. Uh, What would you say right now for this team, the outlook, the expectation? Did you expect them to be here in this point? And looking at the rest of the year, are, are you thinking... This is a playoff team. they got to get a wild card spot, maybe even the AFC West. You know, I'm not talking about the P word right now. I, lo- I know a lot of Raider Nation is, but I've been calling it exactly that, just the P word. You know, I'm just like, hey, just go ahead and settle down. Let it go week to week. I did not expect them to be at 5-4 and four right now after nine games. I didn't expect them to be able to bounce back after all the debacle that happened in the offseason uh, with the big acquisition of Antonio Brown, and then we all know how that shook out. Didn't know how they were going to react to that, and I wasn't sure if John Gruden had put all his eggs in that AB basket or if he had kind of had an alternative, a backup plan just in case things didn't work out. And it looked like early in the season that everything was really based on AB, but I feel like he's figured it out and this team has really, really grown up. And I'll tell you, man, it's been a lot of fun to watch and see how it's developed and how guys have stepped up like a Darren Waller. Rookie Josh Jacobs as a running back has stepped up. You know, there's a lot of guys that are making plays and it's almost like an old school Raider feel where it's just a bunch of misfits of guys that weren't really wanted by other teams and they just go to the Raiders and they're just playing. Now, I'm not saying that they're all pros and that they're going to take them to the promised land and go win a Super Bowl or anything, but they're playing at a, at a high level right now and they look like they're figuring things out. Derek Carr is playing really well and uh, it all gets started, in my opinion, offensively with the run game and Josh Jacobs. That offensive line is opening up big holes right now and Josh Jacobs is killing it, doing a great job as a rookie running back in this John Gruden's offense. So as Josh Jacobs goes, in my opinion, that's how this Raiders offense goes. Yeah, and it seems that way. Jacobs has been fantastic, really fun to watch. And uh, really, for me, I think the surprise, because I I expected Jacobs to look good. I expected the offensive line to be able to get it back together again after uh, going through a couple years of of inconsistency. But Derek Carr, man, you know, at some point last year, I was thinking it may be time to cut bait and see if they can find somebody else and and see if maybe he's hit his his peak, his ceiling. And then he comes out this year and – Man, this is the best he's ever played, and he's had one good, really good year before. Is this like comeback player of the year stuff, or are you like, man, he's hitting new heights? Do do you understand it? Is it a perfect marriage with John Gruden? What what would you say is the biggest reason for him to just 
come out this year like this and not have the receivers that a lot of these guys that are performing well, you know, obviously have better receivers than Derek does. You know, I just think it's an understanding of what he's supposed to be doing. It's an understanding of what John Gruden wants him to do. You know, last year in 2018, that was a that was a learning experience. You know, it's kind of like John Gruden threw him in the fire and said, okay, here's my offense. I want you to go run it and command it. And he wasn't ready to do that yet. And so this is the second year in his offense. He's worked really hard to pick it up. And he just looks like he's almost a, a coach on the field. And a lot of times I've been noticing in these games, and this is going to be a key on Sunday, I've been noticing that when there's a, a, a defensive you know front or or, or uh, something, some kind of alignment that he doesn't like. He doesn't like the look of it. He'll check out of it, and he'll check into a really good run play for Josh Jacobs, and boom, all of a sudden Josh Jacobs hits you for like 30 yards or 40 yards. He's done that multiple times, so I could tell that he understands. He understands what John Gruden wants him to, to, to say and, and do and the way he wants him to read the defenses. So he's just got a real good command of the offense right now. It's been getting better week to week. I think the last four weeks he's really been cooking with grease is something I like to say. He's really been doing that, man. He's been doing playing at a high level, even though he doesn't have the, the huge numbers if you're a fantasy guy, you're not going to like him because he doesn't have the big fantasy numbers. But I'm not a fantasy guy. I just care about the team winning ball games. And right now, that's what Derek Carr is doing. He's putting the team in, in, in position to succeed and have an opportunity to win ball games. Now, everyone's got to go out and execute, but Derek Carr is doing his part for sure. Yeah. Uh, here at the Lockdown Bengals, we're big in the draft. So I want to ask about some of these rookies on the offense. You already mentioned Josh Jacobs, and uh, we don't have to discuss him because he's running away with rookie of the year, in my opinion. But the other three guys on offense that are making an impact and playing roles or key roles. Alec Ingold at fullback, Foster Moreau at tight end, guy I really liked and wish the Bengals would have drafted. And then Hunter Renfro. Of those three guys, who is the sneaky one? Who's the one that makes the big play on Sunday? Uh, you know, it'll probably be Hunter Renfro. You know, he's a guy that I really, really liked coming out of uh, coming out of Clemson. I thought he was a guy that Derek Carr really needed, and the reason why is because he doesn't drop passes. You know, and throughout Derek Carr's career, uh, career he's had guys, he's had wide receivers that drop passes, put it on the ground. Even Amari Cooper, when he was playing at a high level for the Raiders, yeah. he would put it on the ground. Michael Crabtree put it on the ground. Uh, there's one thing Hunter Renfro does, and that's catch the ball. He's not going to wow you with athleticism. He's not going to burn you down the field. He's not going to take the top off the defense, but he's going to catch the ball and he's going to be where he's, he needs to be. I've been saying it for the longest time on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. When it comes to Hunter Renfro, it's quality catches over quantity catches. He's always going to be there when you need him. You know, he's almost like car insurance. You know, even though that's what they call the offensive line, but he's almost like insurance. He, you don't really need him all the time, but when you do, he's there, and that's why you got him. And so Hunter Renfro will probably make a big play, but you mentioned Foster Moreau, man. That's a guy I'm excited about him as well coming out of LSU. You know their offense was never a good offense until this year and uh, he mm-hmm. didn't he didn't get the time to get any kind of burn or real action but they always showed him in pregames how athletic he was and how he can go out and, and, and make the play and, and go and high point the ball and and you know he just did a lot of good things at LSU he was a captain he was one of the leaders he was wearing a leader's number so I thought when they got him I thought you know what this could be a potentially good guy but tight end position is hard to go into the league and all of a sudden be a really good one as a rookie and he's pick and choose his spots he you know he hasn't been uh, required to do a whole lot but I'll tell you down by the goal line in the red zone he's been coming up money and Derek Carr shows that he has confidence in him so he's another good one Foster Moreau is a guy who I think with uh, some more development will continue to be one of the better tight ends in the league and I think that the Raiders have a really good tight end room as far as Darren Waller and Foster Moreau go for for years to come because those guys are really young and then Alec Engel the guy you mentioned as well and if I talk about Josh Jacobs and say how good of a season he's having you got to look at the fullback 
Because the fullback, Alec Ingold, has been blowing up holes. He's been doing some real good things for him. Under after free agent out of Wisconsin. I mean, he's he's really, he's the real deal, you know. And then I'll tell you, on that fourth and one, third and one, look for the fullback dive. John Gruden loves to dial that one up. And Alec Ingold, he just about picks it up every single time. So, yeah, all three of those guys have been really good additions to this Raiders team. And you mentioned Darren Waller a couple times. And for Bengals fans that don't know, this guy's a super freak, former wide receiver that took a few years to develop. The Raiders signed him, and he started off super hot this year i got him in fantasy he cooled off the last couple weeks uh but the Bengals can't cover a tight end at all they haven't been for a long time and in fact they just released veteran linebacker today preston brown mm-hmm. he was targeted this year in coverage 21 times giving up 20 receptions so uh releasing him and probably inserting rookie jermaine pratt so we may get the only Bengals addition to their defense and from this uh, rookie class that has given them nothing here. I'm listening to you talk about the Raiders rookies and I'm getting jealous because the Bengals have gotten (laughs) nothing out of their class. And that's how you end up being 0-9, right? So uh, Jermaine Pratt versus uh, Darren Waller, uh, let's say. what I pretty pretty much described Darren Waller right there, but what do I not know about him? What is, is he the, that X factor in this offense right now? Is he that guy that's like defenses are probably saying, where is he lined up? Yeah, he's a guy that the defense has to really pay attention to at all times because what he is, is he's a wide receiver and a tight end body. And we've seen how those kind of guys have been very athletic and very effective in the NFL throughout over multiple years. But he is really that guy. He is so dynamic and he's so fast and big and strong. And, you know, when he gets his hands on the ball, regardless if it's a four or five yard catch, he's going to take it 15 or 20 yards just because he's so strong. And a lot of times, you know, defenders got to make a business decision if they want to get in front of him and try to bring him down or not. And so he's been a real pleasant surprise. You really didn't know what you were going to get from him going into the year. He had six catches all of 2018. And he already leads the team in, in, in catches this season. And, uh, you know, he has a lot of yards. He only has a couple touchdowns. And he has cooled off a little bit over the past few weeks because, well, defenses, like you mentioned, are going to have to key in on him. But I'll tell you, if your team is having a, a problem covering tight ends, it could be a very long day for him because I'll tell you, Derek Carr loves throwing the ball to Darren Waller. And when he gets the ball and he starts rumbling, you better look out. Q, you have any questions about the Bengals' defense before we move on? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You brought up Preston Brown and and him getting cut, and, you know, he just got signed to a a three-year deal back in March, and so now he's gone. You mentioned a rookie coming up to to fill that void. Right now, the the Bengals, 32nd in the league in, in defense and 32nd in run defense. How concerned are you this Sunday when you know that the Raiders, the way that they they butter their bread, is by the run game? Oh, they're going to run down their throat. There's uh, no concern. I we we are far past concern at 0 and 9. We're kind of hoping for that to that exact thing to happen. Just just give it to them as 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 rough as possible and and just tear this team up because I I mean a lot of fans here are like whatever. Let's just do it. Just go out there, blow them up, and we're ready to pick number one. Wow. Well, that's I mean that's you know I. I I say that that sucks, but I've been there, done that. You know what I mean? Like, right. been there, done that. I know all about it. Let me ask you this question. Zach Taylor, he's in the first year of his uh, his his head coaching career. Um, what, what has been your overall thoughts of him? What is the, the fan base's overall thoughts of Zach Taylor? Obviously, it's going to not be overwhelmingly great because he's 0-9, but just as far as, like, kind of understanding what he's supposed to be doing, do you get an idea that maybe this could head in the right direction with some more weapons? It's such a multi-layered question in evaluation because, number one, the organization is dysfunctional from the top down. And Mike Brown and his uh, family run the team and own the team, and and it's a family business. So they don't have every resource available to them. Uh, Maybe they do, but they don't use it all. And so they have the smallest scouting staff in the league. 
They are a team that isn't going to go out and spend a lot of money on free agents. So automatically, as they let go from Marvin Lewis after 16 years and move to Zach Taylor, who's a young offensive guy from the Super Bowl Rams, we're excited about that. Change. Let's try something new after not being good enough under Marvin. So that excitement was quickly, you know, you understand at that point, he's probably playing with or coaching with one arm behind his back, being with the Bengals organization. But you still got to hope for the best. And it quickly starts to disintegrate when he hires a, a a poor offensive line coach, a guy that was in the, with the Miami Dolphins during like the bully gate, Richie Incognito, who's playing great for the Raiders now. But, you know, <laughs> during that era, and he didn't have a great reputation. And he never really coached good offensive lines either. And that was an area the Bengals really needed to secure. And again, it's been their Achilles heel on offense. And then on the defensive side, they couldn't hire a defensive coordinator. They had multiple people turn down the jobs, multiple people that came in to interview. And for whatever reason, they just said, well, we didn't see eye to eye, which typically means they didn't want to do whatever the Bengals uh, were trying to do and and have them coach with one arm behind their back. So having said all that, 0-9 is bad in any form, no matter for the worst organization or the best. Uh, But at the same time, he's preaching culture. He's got an eye on the future. He is releasing some veterans that aren't producing. He's benching some guys that aren't producing, like Andy Dalton. That, at the very least, should up the competitiveness and maybe some of the fire under these guys in order to get them to play their best, which is something that hasn't happened now for like the last four or five years. So with that being said, do you see any more defensive moves? I mean, Preston Brown was already released, but do you see any more guys possibly being moved on from uh, defensively that are veterans right now? I could see a few, yes. I I think Nick Vigil is the one guy at linebacker, the running mate with Preston Brown, that has gotten four years to really hit his stride, and he's been a flashy guy. You know, in terms of every once in a while, you're like, there's Nick Vigil. There's the guy they think uh, is good and keep trotting out there. But overall, he hasn't been good, and I think if if we're at this point where – Zach Taylor just said uh, during the press conference, we need somebody to step up in the linebacker room. We need somebody who wants to be a leader, take control. Well, obviously you're saying that no one in that room is doing so. And the next day Preston Brown was released. I also have to wonder if Nick Vigil is the next guy to to, uh, be in the crosshairs. I also wonder if Drake Kirkpatrick, who's out right now in being replaced by Darquez Denard, former first-round pick, B.W. Webb, who was signed this offseason from the New York Giants, and they're not missing them. You know, the pass defense, really, the corners aren't being targeted. It's the linebackers and safeties over the middle. It's the, it's the run defense that's really been uh, a poor spot for them. You may not need that big salary on you, on your roster. And I don't think they're going to do it this year. But in the offseason, you want to save $9 million? I think Drake Kirkpatrick could be on his way up. Isn't Drake Kirkpatrick uh, the guy that was Carson Palmer that the Raiders gave up that first-round pick to Cincinnati for? Yeah, that's right. Uh, That was the exact pick. It was Drake Kirkpatrick and Giovanni Bernard. Although I do contend that because the Bengals had two first-round picks that year, they spent one of them on Kevin Zeitler at right guard, who ended up being a really good player for them. I don't think they take Zeitler if they only have one first-round pick. So I say, uh, at times I've said, well, Zeitler's really that bonus pick because uh, they they don't value guards normally. Well, I'll tell you right now, I know it's not going to be a good consolation prize, but uh, the Cincinnati, they fleeced the Raiders when they got that first-round pick for Carson Palmer. That was awful. That was just, man, I was so angry when that happened. But anyway, that's bringing up old stuff. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah, that's right. And that for us, that was, uh, you know, it's funny. That's full circle. I didn't even think about that. You know, in the the first week, Ryan Finley starting, taking over for Andy Dalton, who replaced 
Carson Palmer, who was traded to the Raiders. Man, uh, full circle there, I guess, in one week. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it sounds like it's going to be a defensive struggle on Sunday for for the Bengals because the Raiders offensively, even though, like I mentioned, the numbers aren't huge, they're not putting up just big uh, uh, like Kansas City Chief-type numbers, but they can still go. And they're still, they've scored 24 points at least the last, last six games in a row. So uh, they're, they're doing some good things. So it may be a long day for Cincinnati if they can't stop the run and uh, they can't get to Derek Carr and get some pressure on him. And I know the, the Bengals have struggled to get pressure on the quarterback as of late as well. They have, and I think the biggest part of that is they're not producing anything on offense. And then that was with Andy Dalton in there, and then the same thing with Ryan Finley. When you go three and out multiple times in a row and your defense is poor, and it is for the second year in a row, they're the 32nd-ranked defense, quickly you're down 14 nothing. Right. Quickly you're down 17 nothing. 17-3. That defense cannot pass rush at that point. At that point, they're on their heels. They're playing reactive to the offense because the offense can do whatever they want on the other side. So when you look at it, I'd love to see a metric for um, pass rush opportunities rather than just how many pass plays was the guy out there. Because I think play action, screens, other type of misdirections, slow that pass rush down completely. I think when the game starts getting out of hand, it's hard to pin your ears back and really go for it. You see sacks come on third downs. You see them come on third and long. You see them come on obvious passing situations or when the team is down by a lot. And the Bengals' defense just hasn't been in position to do that. The few times they've gotten it this year, you've seen guys light up. You've seen Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson. They can beat you. They can beat you one-on-one. The problem is they haven't been in situations to say, you know what, we're just going to go for it and, and go after this quarterback. Well, it sounds like the Raiders are going to feel good about themselves offensively. Let's talk about the Bengals, and let's talk about what they'll do offensively when they get the ball. Talk about the Raiders' defense. Let's do that in segment number two. We've been talking tank. We've been talking about picking first overall for the Cincinnati Bengals. In order for them to do that, the one team that we've always said may stand in their way is the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins have won two games, and that should be expected. It doesn't mean they're out of it. The Bengals will probably win a couple. The Redskins will probably win a couple. Most models have the Bengals winning two, have the Redskins winning three, Miami winning three. But if you look at those models, it may come down to that Miami Dolphins game week 16 for the Cincinnati Bengals, and that could decide if they're picking number one or picking number three. And if you're like me, that is scary. Now, sure, Chase Young would be a nice consolation prize if you end up number three. But at the same time, I'm ready for this team to take their quarterback number one. And because of that big game, we are sponsored. The Lockdown Bengals podcast is sponsored by the newly renovated Kimpton Epic Miami Luxury Hotel. And they're calling all Bengals fans that want to go down there in December down to Miami, enjoy some nice weather, enjoy the beach, watch your team secure that number one overall pick. Get Tua, Tungvaloa, maybe Joe Burrow. A lot of these Ohio guys that are listening to this want Joe Burrow. Go down there and see it in person. You can say back in a couple years, be like, hey, you know, Joe Burrow, he's, he's leading this team to playoffs. He's the Bengals quarterback. I was there. When I cheered for my team to lose to, to the Miami Dolphins, right? It's kind of confusing. As I'm even saying it out loud, you're going to spend money and go and hope your team loses. Actually, that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, man, I would do it. For $149, you're not going to find a better luxury hotel than the Kimpton Epic Miami Luxury Hotel. And they also got a deal for us for tickets. And they've got lower level, they've got box seats, they've got upper level at a deal at a price that you can't beat package them together take the old lady down go 
visit some nice weather in Florida in December. I know a lot of you are already going anyway, so I think this is a perfect sponsor to say, hey, you guys are already going. Let us save you some money. Come stay at our partners of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And it even sounds like if enough of you are down there, they could work something together to have a night for everyone to get together and hang out and have a good time. So uh, we've got links on the website. We've got links on the Twitter account. If you need them, DM me, message me, whatever you got to do. I will get those links out there to you so you can get this discount. And again, guys, let's go down to Miami and let's finish this thing, right? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Back here on the crossover edition, talking Bengals, talking Raiders, talking right now with Joe Goodberry, host of Locked On Bengals. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Uh, also has a co-host. You have a co-host as well, right? At Jake underscore NFL. That's right. Shout out to Jake. Yeah, shout out to Jake. He's not with us right now, but we are talking the game on Sunday, and we talked all things Raiders offense, Bengals defense in the first segment. Now we're talking about what happens when the Bengals have the ball. And uh, Ryan Finley, you mentioned it uh, earlier that he is in the game now. Uh, He came in last week. He was uh, starting last week. Matter of fact, Andy Dalton went to the bench, and I know he doesn't have all his weapons. He doesn't have A.J. Green. He uh, has a suspect offensive line, but even, even though... With all that being said, what are you seeing from Ryan Finley? Do you feel like this could be a guy that could take the reins over from Andy Dalton and lead the the Bengals into the future? I don't. I guess he's got to prove me wrong, and I guess this is his chance, right? They give him eight games, and Zach Taylor said, well, we got to look at the reality of it, that the draft is coming up. Currently, they're slotted to pick number one with a comfortable lead, actually. They have to decide. Not only is – I think the decision was made. Andy Dalton is not – the future quarterback, right? He's not the guy. we got to bench him. We're in evaluation mode, 0-8. Let's move on. So they went, Ryan Finley, even if you're not the starter next year, even if you're not the long-term starter, we need to know if you can be the backup. If they go and draft a quarterback, number one, Finley's going to have to be the backup, and you don't want to go out there with no snaps, NFL snaps, from your top two quarterbacks. So looking at it at the very least, they say, well, here's your eight games Get those snaps in. Get your reps in. Let's make sure we you can at least be a serviceable backup. And maybe at best, he is special and can be the starter. Through one game, I don't think uh, he showed that even in the least bit. But here's the other part. Andy Dalton got to the point in this offense where he really wasn't fitting. It Actually, it reminded me of when you first segment, we were talking between uh, Carr and, and, and Gruden that first year, how they really just weren't meshing completely. Right. It kind of reminded me of that. Maybe Dalton just wasn't fitting very well with Taylor. But once you're presented with the opportunity to draft a quarterback, number one, they may be ready to do that. So I think they said, okay, Dalton, that's enough. We, we, it's, you're making it hard to evaluate the rest of the offense because everything goes through the quarterback. And if the flow isn't right there, if he's not able to handle pressure, because here's the fact, number one, the offensive line sucks. That's not changing. It's right. not changing anytime soon. If you can't function with pressure coming around you, well, then you're going to kill half the plays. And this isn't you know, just a slam Andy Dalton. I get it. The, the guy has never been great with pressure around him. And right now the line is bad. So what they have to do is say, well, we can't kill all these plays every time there's pressure. 
So Ryan Finley in preseason, you were really good with pressure. You navigated the pocket well. You threw with guys coming around you and hitting you. He actually changed his arm angle a few times, getting balls around guys. Dalton was not able to do any of that. And I think in this one game that Finley played, they definitely got that. They got him able to extend plays, get away from pressure. He ended up only being sacked one time. I think he was pressured 12 times. So that that there, you're getting plays off that weren't there before. The receivers even talked about it. The same receivers that were saying, ah, you know, Dalton's our guy. We shouldn't have uh, uh, let him go. The next week they're saying it was nice to see him extend some plays and, and give us opportunities. So I think they see it. And I'm not saying Finley's an upgrade. He's not. A lot of the little things that Andy Dalton being a nine-year vet could do, a rookie in his first-year start definitely wasn't getting it done. In the offense, he gave single-handedly, Ryan Finley gave the Ravens 14 points with a pick six and a fumble that was returned for a touchdown, and his offense only produced 13. So you could say right then and there, right. you're not going to win many games if he doesn't get much better. No, no, you're not. And in his defense, I mean, going up against the Ravens in that defense, that's not the easiest first start of your career either. So, uh, and especially without right. A.J. Green. I know Zach Taylor had said he thought A.J. was going to play on Sunday. Green said not so fast. Then it came out. He's out indefinitely. And who knows what timetable that looks like. What are your expectations from A.J. Green? Do you think he comes back anytime soon? Do you think he comes back anytime this season? It's such a weird thing. You know, you, you twist your ankle week or day one, I should say, of training camp. Uh, they weren't sure it was going to require surgery, ended up needing surgery. The first reports were, uh, he could miss a month to six weeks. He might be back week one to week four. So we're like, okay, first month, if you can get through that, then maybe you can get things rolling again. And then next thing you know, week three, four comes around. They're like, no, probably going to be another few weeks. And then you get to that point. You don't really hear anything other than the national guys say, no, it's going to be a few more weeks from there. So it seems they get to week seven. They say, well, week the uh, the next we got a bye week coming up so let's get him through there he's done some light running he's getting closer we're getting there and then they coming up coming out of the bye i think everyone's ready for him he should be healthy let's he's good to go he goes monday the last day of the bye week goes as hard as he has all year felt good he said wakes up pretty much tuesday and it's swollen and anytime you're coming back from an injury like that the swelling is a sign that it's not ready and he said in his in his uh talking to the media he said this isn't the same as the setback I had a few weeks ago. So we didn't know this originally that he had a setback four weeks ago. But once I connected that's oh, the national guys were saying about four weeks ago, it's going to be a few more weeks. He must have had a setback then. So now he's experiencing another setback. He says it's not as bad as last time where he ended up extending it three more weeks. But does that mean he's back this week? Does that mean he's not back for another week or two weeks? A lot of people have speculated, is he just trying to make sure he's healthy? Because, I mean, everyone should be. But... I mean, he's on the last year of his deal. The Bengals didn't trade him. Right. He says he wants to stay in Cincinnati. They say they're willing to pay him basically whatever they want, whatever he wants. And he needs a, you know, it's an 0-9 team now. How quickly are you supposed to get back out there and just put it and risk it all for, you know, what? This team isn't going anywhere. So in my opinion, you know, some fans are getting frustrated. They want him out there. But for me... Take as long as you want. I don't care if you're out there for the last four games and that's it. I want you to look healthy. I want you to, sh to prove that you're healthy because if you're going to be a part of this team moving forward and they're going to extend you in the offseason, that is a big question that needs to be answered still. Back-to-back -back years losing uh, most of your season because of injury, I want to make sure you're still healthy and still the same guy that you were the last time we saw you fully healthy, which now seems like a long time ago. And if that's the case, I really like the idea of Green 
John Ross, Tyler Boyd, uh, Auden Tate, Alex Erickson at receiver. All these guys have produced at different points this year besides Green. You know, leading in and and being the receiving options for whoever they draft, number one, number two, wherever they end up, that sounds like an ideal situation. Let me ask you this, though. If you had to make the decision, if you were in that front office role and you had to decide, and you know the the health that A.J. Green's had the couple seasons, the last couple seasons, like you mentioned, finishing the season uh, unhealthy and and not playing either on IR or just not playing, would you go into the offseason and give him a boatload of money knowing that, hey, you know what, this guy is getting a little bit older in the tooth, a little longer in the tooth, and – and he's not proven to be healthy. Would you want to do that for a franchise that's not really where they need to be right now? You look at third contracts for receivers. Number one, they're rare. Number two, they rarely ever work out. And you've got, like, Fitzgerald, who it's worked in Arizona. And Green has said he's modeled his career after Fitzgerald, wants to do pretty much what he did. And and I get that. You know, I commend him for it. Julio Jones now in his third contract with the Falcons. And, well, they're having a poor season down there. I'm not saying it's because they extended Julio, but it starts to get hard once you're paying these guys that rate and they're a little bit older and they're not taking over games at the rate they used to. So for me with AJ green, if he proves he can be somewhat healthy, let's, let's just use those four games at the end and he he proves he's healthy and he can, he can still play at 31 turning 32. The problem is, am I playing within the Bengals sandbox? Cause if I am, then I have no choice because they're not going to spend that money. Number one, number two, they're not going to acquire or interest any other free agents. You got a guy who, they believe is still really good that wants to stay there. You kind of have to give them the money and just bite the bullet and say, you know what, we're just going to go heavy at receiver. And that's how we're going to build our team. Because like I said, they're always got one hand behind their back here and it's self-imposed. Right. So I'm not making excuses for them, but if, if it was me on another franchise, probably not. I probably would have traded them at the deadline and gotten whatever I could because I'm looking at this roster. I'm looking at an 09 team and I'm saying you guys are two years at least away from competing. In two years, A.J. Green's going to be 34 years old and making, what, 18, 20 million because we're paying him that? That doesn't sound like the best way to build a team. No, no, it really doesn't. And, you know, there was a lot of Raider fans near the trade deadline that were thinking, hey, make a call to Cincinnati. Go get A.J. Green. You need a number one wide receiver. And I kept saying he hasn't played at all this season. He got hurt before the season ever started. In training camp, he got hurt. You know, so I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. And then all of a sudden you're going to have to give him a boatload of money. And and who knows if he's going to be healthy. So I, I kept cautioning and saying, I don't think that's a good idea. Ultimately, obviously, the Raiders didn't do that. Cincinnati said they weren't trading him anyway. But uh, I, I just I just couldn't I couldn't get on board with that idea of trading for a guy, giving up draft capital, and then all of a sudden on top of that having to pay him a lot of money, and he hasn't proven that he could be healthy. Speaking of healthy, what about John Ross, man? He he was a guy I liked him a lot coming out of Washington. Talked to him at the draft. Uh, he ran obviously. He was blazing fast. He was the speedster at the draft. Uh, his career obviously didn't get off to the start that he should have got off to, but. He did start producing. You mentioned earlier, he did start producing a little bit this year, and now he's out. He's not playing right now. He's injured. Is he out the rest of the season, or what's the status on him? Yeah, he's on IR right now, but they expect him to be back. I believe it's week 13. It was a clavicle injury, if I remember correctly. He's had a couple shoulder injuries now in his career. He's had, I mean, you can, the list is long. It's uh, since, you know, his days at Washington and the injuries he's had. But I also liked him coming out, and you know, more than just being running a four-two-two, the guy ran routes. He made guys miss. He had deep ball skills. I mean, he was, in my opinion, a complete receiver. And mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was crazy at all to draft uh, John Ross where they did. I just think after the first year, you could tell he wasn't Marvin's guy. He, and Marvin was like, you know, he's more of the old school. You better come in, do all the work, and prove that you can play before I'm going to put you on the field. Whereas I think more of the new school guys are. 
let me get you on the field and let me find a way to to get your confidence up. Let me find a way to get you open in this offense, get you the ball, and let you believe you can do this. And then, you know, we'll we'll round everything out as we move on. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we wanted a Zach Taylor in here. And last year, John Ross caught seven touchdowns. And everyone was like, yeah, it's only 21 balls he caught, but seven touchdowns is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's a pretty good year of at least red zone production. So, And that's behind Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green. So we were like, okay, if he is going to take this next step under Zach Taylor in an offense that's been very wide receiver friendly with the Rams, and it was last year, they could have had three guys for the Rams going for 1,000 yards until Cooper Cup got hurt. So we looked at it and said, okay, if Ross can, can – if he can't – producing this offense then we, we have our answer if he can they've got some decisions to make especially when it comes to aj green and i think it would have helped the decision if he didn't get hurt again because ross exploded when this year started he was he was uh, a deep threat he was run after the catch guy he was the only fun on this offense for the first four weeks and he still was dropping a lot of balls and all that stuff but he was still scoring touchdowns and people couldn't touch him he finally looked like washington john ross and then he gets tackled weird on a Monday night game in Pittsburgh, and they put him on IR. But, again, if he would have stayed healthy, they may have said, we don't need A.J. Green because finally Ross is hitting it. We like Tyler Boyd. We like Auden Tate and Alex Erickson. We don't need these. But because Ross cannot stay healthy at this point, it's – I mean, you can stamp it. and You can give him a tattoo. It. He cannot stay healthy. That is official. He's a bonus player at this point. And I, I hope, you know, we can at, at some – time in this future and hopefully in the near future we can see green ross and and uh and boyd out there all at the same time and that would be nice yeah that would be something you know then you'd actually know what you have and uh, i do know what you have is at the running back position joe mixon i liked him a lot coming out of oklahoma as well obviously he had a little bit of baggage he came with but uh seems like he's done well since he's been in the nfl he's struggled a little bit this season as far as i'm concerned not really running the way uh, i expected him to not really having as many yards as i expected him to have at this point is that a product of playing from behind all the time and not only that the the offensive line is just not very good yeah, both of those definitely have a factor. The O-line, you know, being poor, they haven't had the same five guys out there at all. They're down to, like, their four-string left tackle, who's who's a career guard. Uh, they've had to move their first-round pick from last year, Billy Price, from center to guard because, well, he got outplayed at center, but then they had insert him after they had a bunch of injuries on the O-line. And then Joe Mixon got one preseason carry, not because he was hurt, but because they were trying to manage him. I think Zach Taylor coming directly from the Rams, seeing how they – uh, rode Todd Gurley into the ground. They said, you know what? Let's uh, go slow with Mixon. He'll be fine once we get him out there because he ran behind a poor offensive line last year and he led the AFC in rushing. So he can do it. The issue is this year, he he was rushing. And you could see the O-line two years in a row being a, a poor O-line. He's starting to skip reads and starting to bounce things outside and starting to not trust his line and not really pushing the hole or pressing the hole. And uh, he's letting linebackers just read him way too easily. And he, He's not missing tackle. He's not uh, breaking tackles or making guys miss. He's never been a big guy to do that. He's more of a you're going to underestimate him because he's 6'1", 230, right. and he runs pretty fast. Yep. You know, So when you see that, you're like, oh, I can't beat that angle. This guy's a lot faster than I expected. He's always been that type. But there's so many times even this year, and he had his best game last week against the Ravens. It, they stuck with the run game, and he got over 100 yards for the first time all year. But still, he's not making anybody miss. There's a few plays in particular, if you watch it, he gets one-on-one with Earl Thomas, who's not known to be a big physical tackler, and he just puts his shoulder down and just drills in Earl Thomas, 
picks up one extra yard off the tackle. But I'm like, <laughs> dude, there's no one on the left or right of you within five, six yards. You could try to make Thomas miss or something. And just so often you see that with him. And now it seems like his vision's getting under control finally halfway through the year. And, and he's trusting his O-line and just hitting it. But I think because he's hitting that hole so hard and just saying, you know what, I'm going to put my head down and I'm just going to just going to go 100 miles an hour at it. Now he's not able to get to that second level in the space and say, okay, let me get creative. Now he's at the point where he's still a battering ram until he runs into someone. Well, this game coming up on Sunday, the Bengals and the Raiders in Oakland at the Coliseum, one of the last few games at the Coliseum. Uh, the Ra- I'm not a betting man, but the Raiders are, are like a 10-point favorite right now, and whatever, I-, I say throw that out the window. It doesn't matter. The Bengals haven't won a game, so I feel like they're one of those animals that is backed into the corner. But from the sounds of everything that you said, you don't have high expectations for this game on Sunday. No, I don't at all. No, originally I thought this, uh, you know, because I expected the Raiders to be a little bit worse. I thought this would be a, a coin flip game. But watching the Raiders the last few weeks, no, I don't I don't expect this at all, especially not in Oakland. I think this game, and if we're given uh, our score predictions at this point, I'm going to say 24 to 10 Ravens, I mean uh, Raiders win. Wow, okay, 24 to 10. Well, like I said, they've scored 24-plus points in the last six games, so I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. I'm going to say uh, 27. I'll give the I'll give the Bengals 14. I think they'll find a way to, to get into the end zone a couple times. But uh, Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, again, like I said, I've been cautioning people all week because they're like, oh, that's going to be a gimme game. And I'm like, man, there's no gimme games in the NFL. But if there is something that's close to a gimme game, this might just be the one. Yep, it is. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but you said it, so it's all good. I definitely appreciate that. Joe, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the Locked On Bengals podcast and all that good stuff. Yeah, of course, Locked On Bengals podcast. And you find us on Twitter at the Lockdown account. And, of course, me and all my takes and every everything we can get where we can get into uh, Chase Young or draft-eligible quarterbacks at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Let me ask you that. If you and I know this is probably going longer than it should, but anyway, if uh, if you had the number one overall pick and you had an option at Chase Young or maybe the field or a quarterback, where would you go? I'm going quarterback here, okay. and here's why. Real quickly, I don't think you can pass up the opportunity to draft a guy if you feel one is worthy of a franchise label. I'm talking quarterback. You take him because there's no guarantee you're going to be in position to draft one again next year or the following year. So I think you do it and then you let the cards fall and you say, okay, there's always some good defensive prospect we can take. And I think Chase Young is a freak and probably going to come in and and tear the league up. But at the same time, what does J.J. Watt get you? Nothing until you get Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, right, no, right. what does yeah. Cleo Mack really get you in Oakland? What does it get you in Chicago? Nothing until you got the quarterback play. That's a good point. No, that's a great point right there. I feel pretty confident and comfortable with what Derek Carr is doing. I think he's going to be the guy. I know there was questions before. I think he's going to be the guy to lead the Raiders into Vegas uh, and be there for quite a while. I think he's just going to continue to develop under John Gruden. So me personally, if it's the Raiders, I'm taking Chase Young if there's an opportunity to get him just because, well, they need that defensive dog. And I do think he's going to be a defensive dog. We're going to have oh, to get yeah. together sometime, and we're going to have to talk some draft, man. I know it's not draft season, and I know you're looking at drafts right now, and you're looking at guys, but it's not draft season for me, but we're going to have to get together soon and we're gonna have to do that conversation have that conversation on the podcast because i think we could have a hell of a show yes sir q i'll talk to you in the spring about that if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast join the draft dudes kyle Krabs and joe marino as they go position by position through the nfl free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 nfl draft 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 